Hello and welcome. My name is Corey Jalseth and I'm the External Affairs Manager for the Rental Housing Association of Washington. I'd like to welcome to the first episode of RHA's new podcast, Housing Matters. And today our topic of discussion will be the pending ballot initiative in Tacoma, uh, Tacoma Measure 1, the so-called Tenant Bill of Rights brought to the ballot by the organization Tacoma for All. Um, and if you're not familiar with the ballot initiative, that's okay. We go over that uh, in my conversation today. And so hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll have a little bit of a better understanding of the gravity of the situation if this does come to pass in Tacoma. My interview today is with Tacoma City Councilman John Hines, who represents District 1. And if you're not familiar with District 1 in Tacoma, it is uh, basically the entire north end. Most of it, there's a little chunk left off. But, so but you're talking University of Puget Sound, uh, Proctor District, and then it goes all the way to the west end, so all the way over to the Narrows Bridge, uh, Point Defiance, except for the little cutout for uh, Ruston being its own separate town there. Um, but that is that is uh, John Hines' district. Obviously, we will discuss the ballot measure, uh, pending ballot measure coming up in Tacoma, but we also discuss uh, Councilman Hines' uh, history in Tacoma and how he came to decide to run for city council. Uh, and then we also discuss at the very end of our conversation, um, uh, Mr. Hines used to be a social studies and civics teacher in high school, so we kind of touch on some of his favorite historical topics. Again, thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope you get something out of this. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Councilman Hines. I really appreciate you taking the time to come speak with RHA today. Um, I wanted to start just with uh, kind of your history in Tacoma and, and uh, your decision to join the city council. Yeah, no, um, thank you for having me again Absolutely. this morning, and yeah. happy to chat with you a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, I've... Been in Tacoma my whole life, uh, born and raised here, um, grew up in the South End here in the city of Tacoma. I'm a Seward Elementary, Stewart Middle School, and Lincoln High School alum. Uh, and then I went all the way across 6th Avenue to go to college at the University of Puget Sound, even though I am dressed as a Husky <laughs> lifelong Husky football fan. Go Coops, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, no, i just always been really interested in kind of local government, civic engagement, uh, volunteerism so kind of throughout my career whether I when I was in high school college and then I was a teacher for most of my career and still work as an educator just really been involved in kind of community service um, whether that was the safe streets organization which I was involved with in high school through all my community service in college just been a real passion of mine fantastic fantastic um, and I know you have uh, raised your family here, and you um, you said you, did you have two two children. I do. I have yeah. a five year old. No, sorry. Yes, I have a six year old and a ten year old. Wow, the, the ages grow up <laughs> real fast. Um, yes, uh, six and ten year old, uh, ten year old boy and a six year old girl, and uh, very busy with soccer, swimming, gymnastics. Uh, you know, always being a parent. Yes, I uh, yeah, I am uh, a little younger uh, my my children, but uh, so but I'm still in the trenches. I've uh, just about a six-year-old, uh, just about four, and a two-year-old. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they keep us uh, very, very busy. But. They, they do. That they do. Um, they, uh, I tell people all the time, my kids make me a better person. Yes. They, they push my patience and my <laughs> empathy. Uh, makes me a better person every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yes, the patience, for sure. That is, the, that is a big practice. Um, so just uh, kind of for your district area, just kind of a fun question for, for listeners. Um, what are some of your kind of favorite spots to, to hit in town as far as, you know, restaurants and businesses, things like that? Yeah, no. So I represent District 1, which is the west end and north end of the city of Tacoma. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of great things there. I mean, my family were big, I said, soccer, gymnastics, yeah. gymnastics, outdoors. So Point Defiance Park, Jefferson Park, Candle Park, kind of big park family. Yeah. Um, but my kids are also really big fans of Defy. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> really big into trampolines and jumping. And so uh, I think we're there about twice a week, just at night, letting them burn off some energy. You guys have the pass thing? Yes. Yes. Sure. You got to go with the pass. Great investment. Yes. A hundred percent. We uh, we have the pass for the uh, Children's Museum down in Olympia as well. Oh. Um, a little bit of a drive, but yeah. it's it's a oh. cool... You know. we, were, we were pass holders there for a long time. Uh, during the pandemic, we <laughs> yeah. kind of moved out of that. But yep. yeah, uh, yeah, no. And with the weather, you know, raining, having a big indoor space where kids can run around is is very valuable. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. And then food wise, I mean, we're we're pizza people, right? So mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're big fans of uh, Katie Downs. You know, um, that's more my wife and I's favorite place. Yep. Uh, and then we really like Tacoma Pie, which is on Sixth Avenue, new place. That we I have not tried that place yet. Yeah. Keep telling everybody to go there. Okay. Uh, where on Sixth Avenue? It's right off of Sixth and Stevens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, where are you at? Okay. Yeah. So you are also a passionate runner. You've mm-hmm. uh, I saw on your profile you've run the Boston Marathon. I did. Yeah. No. Um, so I played football in college at the University of Puget Sound, uh-huh. and um, I was an offensive lineman, so I was about 70 pounds heavier than I am right now. <laughs> and so after that, I got, um, I decided, you know, I want to try to get in a little better shape and lose yeah. some weight. And so I started running and just kind of caught the running bug after that. And so started with Sound and Arrows mm-hmm. and smaller races, and then um, kind of got into some half marathons. And then I fell in with a group of people that were serious marathon runners yeah. and um, kind of just ran with them a lot and just kind of set my goal, you know, early on, like, you know, I'd like to run the Boston Marathon, you know, there's a, it's qualifying, have to run pretty right. fast to do it. And, um, you know, it took about three or four years in training and, and then got there. That's fantastic. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what was your, what was your finish time on that? Uh, my qualifying time was three yeah. hours and nine minutes okay. to qualify. Yeah. And then my finish time with like was three fifteen. but I was more in for the experience. At Boston, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is, um, if you're a runner, it's, it's the, the greatest race you can do. I, w- I uh, I'd love to do it someday. I um, I've done Sound and Arrows a few times, I, but I have never done even a half marathon. So yeah. um, I I thought about maybe an Ironman for for a little bit, but I it's a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I could do the whole thing. Well, you have kids, you know, and that was yeah, one of the sure. things that uh, <laughs> it was always a struggle with the marathon running. Is you know, it's just it time takes, consuming. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. before we had children and I was running a lot, you know, say, hey, I'm gonna go run for about four hours and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna want to take a nap for about four hours right. after that. You know, harder to sell that to my wife when I have small children. You don't say, yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I used to be a uh, very big cyclist, and uh, before I had children, yeah. um, I did uh, uh, ramrod. Um, uh, ride around Mount Rainier in one day, and um, never did STP. That was a that was a big one. I actually crashed on a training ride for that, and so that put me put me out for the season. But uh, yeah, I used to do used to do a lot of that. I really enjoyed it. It's something that I did with my dad, um, and uh, kept me kept me in shape. But as you say, the uh, you know three four or five mile runs now is about it's about what I have what I have time for. So. Yeah, you know yeah. your priorities change. I mean, I yeah. someday. Um, I had a friend of mine who I trained with who had a goal of qualifying in each decade of his life. Oh, wow. Um, and so, because the times get slower as you get older. Sure, right? yeah. But still, uh, so I think I missed my, you know, I did that in my 20s. Uh-huh. And I missed my 30s. So, you know, I could see myself going back to it later in life and say, yeah. okay, I'm going to try to get myself back in shape and do it. So Absolutely. I uh, Yeah, I would say that's something I look forward to. The, the oldest guy who did... Um, Ramrod, the year that I did it, and he beat me. I no joke by I think forty five minutes. He was eighty two years old. Yeah, beat me by forty five minutes. I was I think twenty six at yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. I just 
a little embarrassing, but I was I was really happy for the Experience guy. Experience, so houses. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's uh, maybe get a little bit more into um, kind of the November uh, election uh, timetable and how do you think as far as council uh, running, and I know you are um, up for election again as well in your district, but kind of how do you see um, the candidates and, and how the, the council could go? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, there'll be a big change um, in the Hilltop District 3 race because mm -hmm. Keith Blocker's been there for eight years, mm -hmm. and so that's an open seat. Um, city council um, is term limited to two terms, so eight years, and then you have to trans transition off. So that, you know, that will be a, a change um, no matter who gets elected in that spot. Sure. Uh, the other spots, the, you know, myself, I'm up, but I don't have an opponent this time, which was... Nice made surprise. It, made it nice, <laughs> uh, a much easier campaign cycle. Uh -huh. I mean, I ran two really t hard campaigns ahead of that, so I felt yeah. felt okay with having one that wasn't sure. as robust. Yep. Um, and then we have our deputy mayor is up, uh, Christina Walker, and um, uh, Councilmember Diaz is up. As she was appointed to fill Councilmember McCarthy's role in 2022. Okay, I was going to say 21, but yeah, 22 is bad, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there... Potentially, there will be some change with the change of the Hilltop Spice with mm. Keith Walker, um, but otherwise, it could be very similar, roughly similar to where we are today, or it could be a, a big change. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a real big change. Sure. Just kind of my observations on the election cycle, but we'll we'll see. Okay. All right. Um, so going to uh, the the rental housing code and kind of the big uh, big thing on everybody's mind for November, um, you as the city council um, chose to amend the current code uh, back in July. Um, can you discuss a little bit about how that was drafted and all that? Yeah, no. And again, I think one of the things I like to we talked a lot about back then was you know the city's been working on a rental housing code for years. Yeah. You know they made changes in 2019, 2021, and then we made changes here in 2023. Um, you know, really trying to kind of address some of the issues we'd seen kind of earlier in, you know, pre-2019, uh, mm -hmm. just around um, eviction protections, fees, you know, uh, making sure people have safe and healthy places to live. Of course. And so the city had really kind of stepped in on a lot of those places. Um, as part of that, we had a rental housing stakeholder group that was kind of putting together some rental protections that, you know, kind of balance the need to provide protections for tenants, but also to make sure that, um, you know, landlords still have the ability to, you know, manage their properties, you know, and, and make sure that they, you know, were well maintained. And that kind of started earlier this year, and, and that group worked through some of these potential changes um, around increasing notice, capping fees, um, you know, requiring a business license before evicting someone from your property, some of the things that we kind of came to that made, made sense, yeah. right? That made sense both for tenants and for landlords. Uh, and so that was ongoing work, and so we were aiming to try to pull that together sometime this year, you know, later on this year. And as you all know, that uh, there was a ballot initiative that started collecting signatures um, earlier this year um, that led us to kind of have those conversations a little sooner sure. than we had kind of had intended with the original plan. Mostly because we wanted to see if we could work with the, the people collecting signatures to say, hey, the city's already doing a lot of things, a lot of the things you're asking for in this. Is there a way we can incorporate some of what you're looking for into our rental housing code or um, as, instead of just instead of having a ballot initiative? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so then you um, pass that and it goes on the ballot and uh, Pierce County judge decides to knock it off as, as a... Uh, as a false choice, uh, you call it so. Um, 
so now we have the Tacoma for All uh, ballot measure one. Um, and uh, would you be able to discuss kind of how that takes it a little bit of a step farther than what you guys put into place? Yeah, no, and I think, I, Corey, before I get to that, I'd probably talk about what we did with our Absolutely, yes, in July yes, please, first, yeah. because I think we actually did a lot for tenants in July. I, I would agree. You yes. know, we went taking yeah. uh, notice of rent increases from 60 days to 120 days. Mm -hmm. We doubled the rate time of notice. We capped late fees at a percentage of the rent um, with a maximum $75. Uh, we made it so you can't evict someone unless you have an active business license, which is something we've been trying to work on, um, where we need to have all of our landlords licensed so we know who's renting properties, we have a better idea where they're at. Um, and as part of that, um, you know, to have a business license, your, your unit has to be up to code, it has yeah. to you know, meet health and safety standards. Uh, we, you know, so we did a lot of things that really made um, tenant protections much better here in the state of Tacoma for tenants. Uh, the, the initiative looks at taking some, some of the things that we had come to and, and going a little and going further. And so in some of the areas, you know, our proposal was 120 days notice, which doubled the amount of notice time. Mm -hmm. They're looking at um, 210 days for the initial notice and then 180 days for a second notice. You're looking at, um, you know, six months, uh, or, yeah, seven. I think six to seven, somewhere six between six seven. and seven. Yeah, I think yeah. 210 to seven months to six <laughs> yeah. months. I'm, I was a history teacher, not yeah, that's a right. teacher. Um, <laughs> So going from 120 days to 180 days for that second notice with 210 for the first one, yeah. um, you know, capping late fees at, at $10 versus our $75, um, the uh, not allowing evictions during the school year for a group of for groups of people, um, identified groups of people like educators and people with families, and then um, also including uh, relocation uh, provision for um, rent increases above. A certain percentage, so I think above five percent, there'd be a relocation assistance component that would be part of it. And so, you know, these were conversations that you know council members and um, the group that was kind of leading the Tacoma for All ballot initiative had about trying to come to some agreement on uh, and and asking questions, really clear, uh, critical uh, questions about you know some of the provisions in their ballot initiative that we thought. Uh, might be unworkable or might, you know, actually have a, a negative impact on some of the housing here we have in sure. our community. Uh, those conversations were, were not successful. Um, ballot initiative submitted the signatures and was on the ballot. And then we passed our changes and then went to put it on the ballot. And our idea was, it, I, to be honest, was to have a, a we, we took seriously the idea that um, some of these changes needed to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. Tenants needed protections right mm -hmm. away. So we passed it ahead of time before we put it on the ballot. And, uh, you know, with the idea that if, if voters voted for our package of provisions, it would be, you know, it would be put into the code, it would be um, put in, and we wouldn't be able to touch it for two years, which is one of the things that the voting does. Uh, as the judge felt, uh, you know, Judge um, Ashcraft thought, felt that that was a false choice and, and said that, uh, that we could not go on the ballot. So now we just have to come for all ballot. Yes, and as you said, uh, if if voted in by the the voters, you uh, will not be able to touch it for two years. Yeah, the city charter is very clear about the fact that things that are voted on by the people have a two year you know time horizon where they can't be changed mm. unless there's another vote of the people. Oh, oh yes, okay. So we yeah. could have another yeah. vote, but I, that you know, uh, I don't. I think the critical idea is that um, there's a real limit to what we can do in that two year time period. Sure, um, and. Uh, we we kind of I heard from you pre a little bit previously on um, how 
many signatures generally you must gather for initiative ballots because I know that's kind of one of the big um, uh, that opponents of this this measure are having is that they got it on the ballot really with a little over 4,000 signatures. Um, and do you know if the council may look at um, changing how how uh, an, an initiative, how many signatures need to be gathered? Well, I mean, I think that's a, we're going into our charter review process here next year. Okay, so yes, the yeah. charter mm -hmm. review committee it just um, is just is going to be taking applications here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think they're open right now. <laughs> if people are interested in <laughs> serving on Tacoma's charter review commission, which and committee, and our charter is like our constitution for our city. Yes. Uh, and the the numbers for the initiative and referendums are based on what's in the charter. So mm -hmm. that would be something the charter review commission could look at. Um, but I, I do think 4,000 signatures in a city of almost 2,230,000 people yes, seems like yeah, a, yeah. a small number. Sure. Um, you know, I, I still think initiatives are important, Very. and we want to have people have the right to petition their government and submit initiatives. But I think there's a question around um, how many signatures do we need to kind of go down that path. Absolutely. Um, so a big uh, issue that has kind of been brought up with this measure is uh, tenant safety and uh, if you talk to uh, attorneys for you know ev eviction law and things like that, it's it's already fairly difficult to, um, or a lengthy process I should say to to remove um, you know a problem uh, tenant. Do you feel that uh, this measure may impact tenant safety with with others in their their building? I mean, I think the the uh, your point is a good one, which is I think the state has really done a good job stepping forward and really. Um, putting tenant rights kind of at the focus mm -hmm. and like really putting some clear provisions in to protect tenants from evictions, um, you know, and just cause lots of other pieces that are there right. so that, um, you know, we're not looking at in a situation where there's a lot of people being evicted for, for no reason. Right. right? Um, and so I think the question we come back to is uh, what, what additional protections does this provide and, and does it, and it could it get in the way of, potentially someone who shouldn't be there anymore, who's doing things that are impacting other tenants and that makes it more difficult. So I think that's an ongoing question mm -hmm. that I've had about some of this sure. too, um, especially as you've mentioned, I, I've heard multiple times that it's it's very a difficult process to evict anyone here mm -hmm. in the state of Washington and it has gotten even more difficult and, mm -hmm. and I, rightfully so. I mean, we if you're gonna move somebody from their household and be for move, good purpose yeah or, yeah you yeah. want to have a good reason why yeah. they, they can't be there anymore mm. it can't just be because you don't want them there anymore <laughs> there has to be a good reason and so um that was one of my 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 questions around some of the protections of the initiative was well i feel like the state has done a really good job stepping up and providing a lot of protections mm -hmm. already um and so you know i didn't feel like this provided much additional protection beyond what has already existed sure. actually it could probably just get get in the way in situations where there was a need to evict someone. Mm -hmm. um, we talk a lot about um, affordable housing and, and, and all that. And for Tacoma, a lot of the small landlords are really the, the ones who provide a lot of that affordable housing. Um, so do you think uh, this initiative will affect those small landlords, um, I guess more so than the, than the, the big corporate guys, do you think it'll, it'll really further degrade the amount of, um, I guess specifically single family uh, units that, that are available? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. And you know, and I think I, just to reiterate, um, and I've said this multiple times, which is the challenge we have in the state of Tacoma and mostly throughout the state of Washington mm -hmm. is we just don't have enough housing for right. people in our community. There's just, yeah. there's just not enough mm -hmm. um, at every income level. Um, there's not enough housing. Mm -hmm. 
And so the, the most important thing we could be doing right now is getting more housing available and getting more rental properties out there that people could have access to in more parts of our city. Sure. And so that's something I've really been focused on. And actually to think about this ballot initiative, something I've been trying to really come back to again and again is, well, we need more housing, right? That's the solution to a mm. lot of the challenges we're seeing right now. But your point about um, would it encourage um, smaller landlords to kind of get out of the marketplace? You know, I represent the north end and the west end of the mm. city of Tacoma, and we don't have a lot of kind of what you would term uh, traditional affordable housing. Maybe your subsidized housing, mm. you would see like larger home housing authority properties. Sure. We have some. But what we do have is a lot of um, single family homes that people bought. 20, 30 years ago, mm. they've been renting out for a long time, that, that do rent below market rates, right? right? They're, they're three, four bedroom houses, which if you know um, the rental marketplace, that's desperately needed for families very in much, our community. Very much, yeah. We don't have enough three and four bedroom rental properties, mm. and so that's gonna be those, these single family homes. Um, bought by people 20, 30 years ago, rented below market. And, and my concern is that our, those housing prices have gone up. Right, they're worth a lot more than they were Absolutely. 20, 30 years ago. Yes. So I do get concerned that some of these longtime property owners are going to just sell the property. They're going to take their investment and they're going to walk away and they're saying, you know, I had a good run, 20 yeah. years of renting this house out, I'm going to sell it, um, and then that property is going to turn over, and you know, because the housing prices are a lot higher, and as you know, people want to live in Tacoma, and they're buying homes as much as fast as possible. Yeah. Those rental properties aren't going to be rental properties again. They're going to be come single family homes. They'll be uh, family buying them or right. someone's going to buy them and they're going to live there, which is great. I mean, it's great for community. Or but it's, it's great, yeah. But yeah. it also means one less it, yes. piece of affordable housing that's part of our, you know, the stock we have here in our city. So that has been an ongoing concern I've had mm -hmm. um, because the way the, the incentives are, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame a, a property owner from deciding today, hey, you know, I'm going to sell this and move on. I know, yeah, the... Um a big one when I've spoken with with small prop, uh, rental housing providers is they worry about the relocation assistance because um, whereas up in Seattle you have you know the um, Seattle um, I don't want to say bureaucracy but you have the organization that kind of helps with that and and covers that cost uh, and this uh, measure I mean really seems to put all of that on um, the landlord and and. So if somebody decides to go and all of a sudden they have to cut a check and, um, and as you said, they have to give uh, the rent increase, uh, you know, six, seven, between six and seven months ahead of time. So um, you may have to cut somebody a, uh, a check for their relocation assistance and um, months before they actually vacate your, uh, your property, if I'm, if I'm understanding the measure yeah, correctly. No, yeah, no, um, you know, the, uh, the way it is really clearly written is that um, when you give your 210-day notice for a rent increase above 5%, and, and the relocation assistance um, goes up based on the, the amount you raise the rent, mm -hmm. um, by the 180-day mark, you need to issue a check to the tenant for that amount for relocation mm -hmm. assistance. Um, and, you know, I think that was probably one of the things that most concerned me about this ballot initiative. Um, we have relocation assistance in the state of Tacoma already. Right. If it's... Uh, Demolition, major rehabilitation, or reuse. So you're you're basically taking the unit offline. Uh, we have a program where uh, lower income tenants that qualify get a thousand dollars from the landlord and a thousand dollars from the city for relocation assistance, and that seems to work pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, my concern about the what's in the ballot initiative is there's no um, there's no upper bound on that. Right. You know, so if you're renting a four thousand dollar a month penthouse here in the city of Tacoma, up on Proctor or something, up on yeah. Pro or somewhere, yeah, yeah. and your rent goes up by five percent yeah. or ten percent, um, you know, then you're looking at a check between 
uh, eight to twelve thousand right. dollars six months before your rent increase goes into effect. And you know, in that situation, maybe we're not. You know, maybe it's a larger corporation that's cutting the sure. check, and people are less concerned. But I, yeah. I would just go back to our conversation about the single family homeowner. Yeah. If I if a if someone's renting a single family home, let's say they only own one mm -hmm. and it's in North Tacoma and they're renting it four bedrooms for $2,000 a month and then they need to make some major repairs or they're finally deciding they want to bring the rent back up to closer to market because mm -hmm. they just, they need the money. Um, you know, they could be out, if it's more than 10%, they could be out $6,000 right. that they have to give right then. And um, that, you know, that that could be a real hindrance. I mean, I think we have a lot of, of property owners who don't have a lot of extra cash laying around that their their wealth is in the property that they own yep. retirement um, uh, yeah. set up yeah mm -hmm. yeah I, uh the story i like to tell is that there was a woman i went and talked to some people over at frank toby jones which is a retirement home here in the mm -hmm. city of tacoma and a woman came up to me and she said you know you don't understand what this is going to do to me the only reason i'm able to stay in my assisted living facility is because i still hold on to the house that my husband and i lived in and that uh. rent is what pays my ability to stay here Oh. And, um, you know, she had this great sense where she said, you know, if I have to eat the cost for the rent not being paid, I'm not going to eat, um, which is really wow, sad. Wow, that's, yeah, that's an effective but, way to put it, though. Um, yeah. You know, it just kind of puts a face to the potential impacts of this. You know, and, and we talked about um, relocation assistance as part of our conversation at the council level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm more open to the idea of a <clears throat> idea of relocation assistance in situations, but you know, I'd want to see it means tested. I want to make sure it would be going to the people who really need it to relocate. Sure. And I would think that part of that responsibility would be upon the city to help pay for some of that, something to our current yes. relocation assistance program. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the way this one is currently drafted in the initiative, I, I have lots of concerns that it's going to have real impact on people in our community. Sure. Um, when we talk about uh, the potential cost of this, um, especially at the uh, forum we had the other night, uh, Tacoma for all their representatives were adamant this wasn't going to cost the city any money. Um, and actually, our uh, our executive director and president of RHA, uh, Sean Flynn, had a um, a pretty good quote for that. And I um, I'll just play this real quick, and then uh, I'm just uh, curious for for your response here. If you believe this is going to cost the city of Tacoma nothing, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. This is going to cost money. Anytime anyone tells you it's going to be free, it's never free. We've seen these policies put into place in other cities already. You don't have to look very far. It costs a ton of money. That money will be put, like there's no income tax, guys. This is going to be paid directly, directly into your, your it's going to be directly in your, in your property taxes, which leads to make housing more expensive. Oh, that cuts off there. But um, uh, do you do you believe that this will be be free for for the city for the city? I mean, I think that, and this is a question that um, I had raised earlier in this con when talking with the group. Yeah. Is the idea that um, there's going to be costs. The city because there's going to be compliance costs. Right. Someone's going to have to investigate this. Yes. Someone's going to have to administer some of this um, process. Uh, when the, if the code is passed, the city's going to invest a bunch of time into making it work. Right. Um, I don't think you create a brand new um, you know, programs without cost. I mean, as mm -hmm. a council member, I, I know that when I want to make a new, create a new program, it has a cost associated with right. it. Um, I mean, if I, if I was to take the 
uh, initiative people at, you know, giving the best case scenario, the idea that when relocation assistance happens, the landlord would just write a check to the tenant and they would just work that out as a, sure, you know, having no interaction with the city whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I guess maybe they would have no cost, but I just can't imagine that how, that would be how it would go. Right. I think there would be disputes, there'd be investigations, mm -hmm. there would be compliance costs, there would be, we'd more likely than not need more staffing mm -hmm. and able to do this. Um, the notice provision is a great, another good example, un, unrelated to the relocation assistance. Who's going to collect all those notices to ensure that notices were given? On time, yeah. Who's gonna collect all the second notices to make sure they were mm -hmm. given? Because actually in the initiative, there's a bunch of um, pieces that allow for greater recovery in lawsuits if per certain parts of the initiative are not met. So you're, someone is going to have to track sure. all of that information for these legal mm -hmm. proceedings. So there will be some costs. Um, it is undetermined what it's going to be from the city, but I can't imagine that it will have none. Uh, yes, okay. Um, and I, I know um, uh, Bellingham actually has uh, an initiative uh, on their ballot as well for relocation assistance, and they said exactly what you just said. Um, they want you to work it out between landlord and tenant, and if there's some sort of issue, then then the tenant, um, you know, can take the landlord to you know court for it. But um, you know, then the tenant has to has to get an attorney and and go through that entire process. And so, um, I I would hazard a guess that that's not going to cost Bellingham nothing to either to to uh, take care of all that. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, programs always cost money. Mm -hmm. And, and at the end of the day, right, we, we would, if we were going to set up a program, we would want to really clearly lay out, well, what do we think the potential costs are going to be? Sure. What, and if, you know, if the city was doing this program, we, that would be the conversation we'd be having <laughs> as part of our budget process. So, good point. Um, so, if, if uh, Measure 1 does pass, do you, do you think this may lead to a um, wider conversation going towards the state level? I, I believe there's already... Uh, some rumblings um, of maybe something coming up from uh, Senator Yasmin Trudeau. Um, but what, what do you think this will lead to a wider kind of state issue? I mean, I think it's already there, and the state yeah. is having the wider conversation. And, and to be honest, Craig, I think that's probably where it needs to be in a mm. lot of ways is sure. at, the, at a state level. Mm. Because I do think about the fact that, you know, I represent um, a part of the city that butts right up against um, University Place mm. and Fircrest, and the idea that. Um, because I live on this side of the street, I have a completely different set of protections and rights than someone who lives happens to live right across the street. Right. doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in my mind. Sure. Um, you know, I would think that we would want to come closer to policies that could be applied statewide. Mm -hmm. and, and I recognize that there are differences between cities, but I think of when you think about a city like Tacoma that has kind of very porous borders, and people do move between our city and Lakewood and University Place. And I, I, I moved to Fircrest a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah I, but, they move back yeah. and forth quite a bit. And you know, people mm -hmm. who I come up to me and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Tacoma. I'm like, oh, where do you yeah. live? Well, I live in Lakewood. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I think that's probably where it rightfully needs to land is at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think it more broadly, and we haven't talked about this yet, but you know, I, I think there are a lot of people struggling to pay their rent here in this community. I think there's a lot of people that really need we need, we need more housing, we need more affordable housing, mm -hmm. and we need to be able to help people who are down, who can't pay their rent. Absolutely. And I think at the state level, there's it's the place to have that conversation about how do we help people pay right. their rent, right? Because I think the, 
the idea that um, if someone can't pay their rent, that um, that there's no help for them. That's that's the real challenge here, right? And right. so, uh, you know, I'd like to see maybe like a gap voucher bill or gap something. Gap voucher, like that. Yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, uh, rental assistance, sure. or kind of rent insurance. Because I think one of the unintended consequences I see with a lot of this is um, we need property owners to um, take chances on residents who may not make as much money mm-hmm. or maybe don't have as clear of a, a rental history. Sure. Right. We need th- those people need housing. Too. Absolutely. And so if the if it's such the point that um, I may not be able to re- I may not be able to remove this person if something happens or if this person doesn't pay the rent, I may not get paid. I may not be made whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that discourages people from taking chances and, and giving rental opportunities to people who really need it. And that's been one of my broader concerns in general. I think if, if our goal is to help people stay housed and our goal is to get people who have historically been on the margins or have had less access to housing than they did before, then a rental insurance program, a gap insurance program, uh, a, a, a rent assistance program uh, that's more broad and generous, I think, is the path we need to be looking at, along with building more housing for people sure. to move into. Um, just going back real quick to uh, what, what's in uh, the measure itself, you mentioned uh, the woman you spoke with um, that uh, is only able to stay in her assisted living because of her. So um, the one of the biggies also in this measure is the wintertime eviction ban. And so I, I would struggle to know what to say to her if... Um, you know, December, Christmas time rolls around and, and um, somebody stops, decides to stop paying the rent in there. And um, even if she's able to possibly start the eviction process after, you know, a certain amount of time and maybe trying to work something out with, with her tenants as well, but um, that they, she would not be able to potentially uh, remove them from the, the property until, is, is it April 1st? Am I, I uh, correct? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm just curious what, um, I guess would be your thoughts on, on the winter eviction ban and, and, and all that. Well, I mean, I think the challenge I run into again is what we were just saying talking about a minute ago, which is, um, you know, the goal is that, you know, I don't think that woman wants to evict her. Absolutely not. No. And I don't think the person who is not paying their rent in that situation doesn't want to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. Um, so assuming positive intent all around, then mm. the answer is we need assistance to help through that situation, Fair. Okay, right? sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think that's going to be the challenge. Mm. Um, you know, people make choices all the time, mm-hmm. right, about where they spend their money and where they don't. And I think just um, I don't want us to get in a situation where someone says, you know, I can't, I can't pay my rent this month, so I'm not going to pay my rent, and I'll just and uh, and then be put. I get another piece being put further in a hole because right. I think that's the one of the challenges with the with the winter and school year eviction bans. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not saying you don't have to pay your rent, mm-hmm. just saying you can't be evicted during that period sure. of time. Sure. And so I do get concerned about the mixed messages around that, right? Mm-hmm. Where people will, will may maybe otherwise would try to pay their rent, may not choose may choose not to pay their rent. Sure. And uh, so you know I think again coming back to helping people. Hey, the rent is a really important thing. 
All right. Um, well, let's think maybe we'd end on something fun. Uh, I know you uh, used to be a uh, uh, high school is, is civics or social studies yep. uh, teacher. Yeah. What, did you have a uh, particular topic that you covered mostly in class that, that you enjoyed? Yeah, I know. I taught uh, high school civics towards the end of my career, and then U.S. history was a Oh, very nice. Okay, okay. Time. Um, I am a big uh, fan of kind of the U.S., between uh, World War One and World War Two, so interwar period, yes, yeah, interwar period, Roaring Twenties, uh-huh. Great Depression. That's always a period of time that I was always very, very interested mm-hmm. in, and then also uh, kind of the post-war civil rights era. Um, I did right. a bunch yeah. of uh, my thesis in college was on um, the. Uh, Olympic Project for Human Rights, which is made famous by the 1968 protests on the 200-meter platform of the two gentlemen, Tommy, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, holding up the black fists oh, yes, at, protesting the, at uh-huh. the Mexico yep. Olympics. So that was what I wrote about, was kind of the, oh. how that project moved forward and kind of the first instance of um, sports sure. of being politicized. Yes. So, which is interesting, is that's it's it's something that's we hear this more. It, uh-huh. know, we have conversations about sports being politicized today, and, yeah, and I always tell people, well, it's, it's been going on for decades. Decades, just uh, much more easily um, shareable and yeah. and uh, uh, get it out to a lot more people. Yes. Which is what I always like to tell people about studying history too, when they think. Uh, Man, has this only been going on for so long? I'm just, I, I always say no. It's it's this kind of stuff's been going on for a long time. It's just so much more easily shareable now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I try to. I used to joke with my students and say, imagine if the founding fathers had Snapchat, <laughs> right? Or you know, yeah. TikTok, or yeah. you know, what 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 would it have looked like back then? <laughs> um, it probably would have looked. You know, we probably would have been like, wow. Um, well, they had that whole uh, well, it's called X now, but that whole Twitter account for Andrew Luck. Uh, Pretending that he was a um, an officer in the Civil War in the Union Army or something like that. <laughs> that yeah. um, I think you know, that kind of thing. When you think about, yeah, if they had had that available, what what would that have what would you know, looked seen, like? What yeah, we would have known, right? Yeah. And I think that's. I mean, with history, right? What we have, to, what's passed down, is what at least is in the past, what people wanted to have passed down, right? It's, right. It's worth seeing what people wanted to see get through to us. Absolutely. So always have questions about what we're not seeing and what stories aren't being told. So these are, those are my things I love to talk about. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you very, very much for your time. I, yeah. I appreciate you uh, coming in to talk with us and uh, I'm sure our members will um, have a great time uh, hearing what you had to say and yeah. uh, very, very informative. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you everyone for joining me for our inaugural episode of the new RHA podcast, Housing Matters. Hope you enjoyed my interview with Tacoma Councilman John Hines. Hope you found it uh, educational and informative, but also fun. Um, If you'd like some more information about Tacoma Measure 1, feel free to go to our website. We have a lot of information there, uh, as well as volunteer opportunities. If you'd like to go uh, doorbelling, we have one more upcoming doorbelling weekend. Uh, If you want to get out in Tacoma and talk to folks about the negative impacts that this ballot initiative will have on rental housing in Tacoma, that's rhawa.org. You can also find our podcast page there. So look for our podcast there, but anywhere else that you may get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, we'll have a video version on YouTube. Uh, Look for a new episode of Housing Matters every two weeks. And if you have a topic that you think should be covered on a future podcast, please feel free to reach out to me by email. Uh, My email is chjalseth at rhawa.org. Again, that's C, my last name, chjalseth at rhawa.org. Thank you very much for joining us for our inaugural episode.
The views expressed in episodes of RHAWA's Housing Matters podcast do not necessarily represent the views and policies of the Rental Housing Association of Washington. Formal legal advice and review is recommended prior to selection and use of this information. RHAWA does not represent your selection or execution of this information as appropriate for your specific circumstance. The material contained and represented herein, although obtained from reliable sources, is not considered legal advice or to be used as a substitution for legal counsel. Copyright 2023.